0: Welcome to the Doyen of Death podcast, funeral planning for those who don't plan to die. It's all about end of life issues and getting the conversation started about our 100% mortality rate. This series is hosted by Gail Rubin, certified thanatologist and the Doyen of Death. A Doyen is a woman who's considered senior in a group and knows a lot about a particular subject. So here to talk about the subjects we sometimes avoid is author, speaker, and the Doyen of Death Gail Rubin.
1: Welcome to today's interview. I'm Gail Rubin, the doyen of death, and very pleased and uh, happy to introduce to you William Peters, the author of a new book called At Heaven's Door. It's about shared death experiences. William, so glad to have you with us today.
0: Well, thank you for having me, Gail. It's a real pleasure.
1: Your book is about shared death experiences, which maybe people aren't familiar with. We've heard of near-death experiences. Could you talk a bit about what both of those are?
0: Um, Starting with the near-death experience, because as you said, most people are familiar with the near-death experience. It's really entered into our, you know, you know, common public vernacular, if you will. Uh, So the near-death experience occurs um, around a brush with death. So somebody suffers a heart attack or uh, has a medical procedure that doesn't go well, or an accident of some type where they feel like they leave their body. And the main Uh, characteristics of an NDE, as they call it, are the out-of-body experience, the moving away from your body towards a light, uh, seeing uh, heavenly realms. Often you see deceased relatives and a life review is also another feature, all associated with this generally a very pleasant experience. Uh, Talk about sublime feelings that are associated with it. And uh, some of the after effects are a sense that they're human, their self, that aspect of, there is an aspect of their self that continues beyond human death. Uh, so that's the near-death experience in, in brief. The shared death experience is very similar in phenomena to uh, the near-death experience, but it's different in terms of the experiencer. The experiencer is a caregiver, a loved one, and in some cases, a bystander, who expresses that they shared in the journey of a person dying into a benevolent afterlife. So the notion is you've got somebody dying and you have people typically relationally significant close to the dying. And they, in a certain sense, hitch a ride with the dying into a benevolent afterlife. The main themes we see in the shared death experience are the sense of journey. It's really clear from our research that the experiencers say, I witnessed or I observed or I strongly sensed that my departing loved one was moving into another dimension that was good. Uh, In terms of the dominant features you see in a uh, shared death experience, over half, just over half of our uh, research respondents say that they saw uh, the dying in the afterlife. They, they witnessed or sensed the dying moving along this journey. And then the other two, uh, I think these are significant, is that about 16% report that seeing an elevated uh, being, sometimes referred to as a, an angel, some sort of guiding force, but a higher consciousness being not non-human, and, and like, once again, assisting in a certain way. And then the final one would be deceased relatives. About 13% re, uh, report seeing deceased relatives. But the, most of the other features you see in the near-death experience are also present to different degrees in a shared death experience. The light is present. Uh, you can have a life review. Um, there are other features like heavenly realm, sublime feelings, highly, highly energetic experience. Uh, and most people report that there is a high transformational quality to the experience.
1: In in your book, At Heaven's Door, you talk about that you yourself actually experience, I believe, both a near-death experience and a shared death experience.
0: Uh, at 17 years old, I had a high-speed skiing accident and fractured my spine and was catapulted out of my body. Uh, when I say I, that that sense of you know, soul, spirit, consciousness uh, left my physical body. And I have, you know, a very clear memory, remembrance. Uh, It's more than a memory, actually. It's kind of an indelible uh, set of uh, experiences that I see myself moving away from my body on the earth and moving quickly because eventually I see continental U.S., And, you know, continental North America, I should say, and then the solar system. And then I'm watching my life be reviewed and come into this beautiful tunnel, heavenly realms, and then the light. And when I saw the light, I realized I was dying and I was not pleased with that. As pleasant as this this uh, state of being was, I had a very strong sense that I had not completed what I came to this human incarnation, incarnation to uh, complete in a certain way. So, I came back. I'm I'm here living. That was many many years ago. And I would have a second shared death experience that was rather simple in the sense that I had a severe a blood imbalance, uh, idiopathic thrombocytopenia. It's a low platelet condition, and I was in the ICU. Then at some point during that stay, I popped out of my body. I don't remember popping out of my body, but I do remember coming to some awareness and observing uh, life on the 10th floor of this intensive care unit in Kaiser Hospital, Oakland, Oakland, listening to nurses talk and seeing the you know family members move about. And it was late at night and I also remember the doctor approaching me. And, and I had a real a choice point, which was the doctor is tapping on my hand. I'm not feeling him tapping on my hand, but I'm realizing he's calling out my name and I have a choice. Can I, can I, I have a question. Can I respond to him from where I am? Um, if I respond, will I go back into that box? I mean, I, I didn't know what would happen to me. And so I did choose to Answer his question. And as I did, I came right back into my body and can feel my physical being again. But before that, I was fully uh, outside of my body and having a, a an out of body experience. So that so those are those experiences on the near death side. And I'll just go right to the finish this and say, you know, I had and I I got very interested in death and dying for, you know, that we have a good deal of unfortunately cancer in our family. And so death is not something that uh, we're unfamiliar with. And I, and I had some elderly relatives, my grandmother on my paternal side in particular, who had a, a slow death. And I was with her a number of times and saw her communicating um, what seems to be with the other side. I think that would be called what we currently have been called historically deathbed visions Uh, It's recently called End of Life Visions by Dr. Christopher Kerr and his team of researchers. But the idea is there's this kind of communication going on between the dying and uh, departed or deceased relatives that seem to be present in the room and come to tell the dying that that they will be there to assist with the transition. So with these experiences, I had my I saw my grandmother have these conversations and they felt very real to me. So I joined Zen Hospice Project in 2020, is that right? No, in year 2000, I'm sorry, year 2000, and so many, a couple decades ago now, and I joined as a volunteer. I was training as a psychotherapist at that time, and it was a really a great way for me to get close to people who were dying and learn about the dying process and, and, and offer comfort and support. I worked at... Uh, at a, at a 24 bed open ward hospice, so there were, and it was a public uh, hospice, San Francisco General Hospital's uh, the hospice, essentially. So a lot of indigent people, and that meant that they didn't have a good deal of familial support, which gave me and other volunteers an opportunity to, you know, support and and develop relationships with them in these dying days. So with one person in particular. Uh, Ron, and I do refer to this experience in in my book, I am reading him a story, and Ron is in a very unresponsive state, and he has been in an unresponsive state for a a number of days, if not a few weeks, so I'm not anticipating him responding in any way, but as I'm reading this story to him, I pop out of my body, and I'm suspended above my body, and Ron's body, which is prone in his bed. And I'm comfortable, a bit stunned. And also, this is familiar. So uh, as I reflected on it later, I realized, oh, you know, I'd been in this space before during in the ICU with my blood imbalance. So no surprises for me at the level of does this space exist? It was more like, oh, here. And then I look to my right, and there is Ron. And he's looking at me quite smugly as if to say check this out this is where I've been and he was really euphoric and I was just acknowledging that we were there together but there wasn't a whole lot more uh, communication other than him kind of acknowledging that I was there and me just acknowledging that this is where he was and I think we both shared a, a smile of appreciation for this and I came back into my body. I don't even think I stopped reading, to be honest. I think these two domains, uh, realms of existence, exist in, in parallel, from what I can tell. Um, and, and Ron died, a, you know, I think a couple days later.
1: So, so you got interested in Raymond Moody's work with near-death experiences, and he encouraged you to pursue this study of shared death experiences.
0: It, at the time I had this shared death experience, I was familiar with the near-death experience. I hadn't really linked the two up directly. I really hadn't. I did talk to my supervisor, who I respected greatly at Zen Hospice, and he he was clear that all sorts of experiences happen here, William, around death and dying. Um, let it go. Very Zen. Just let it go and and go. Continue to, you know, be present and supportive to others who are dying. So he was a bit dismissive of my experience. I was I was kind of ex- I was very excited about it and say, listen, I just feel I had this experience with Ron. I wanted to know do you do you know about this? And he he just said, oh, William, all sorts of things happen here. You know, so maybe he's he did say halfway between heaven and earth. Which I thought was a nice line, so he knew something about that, but we didn't ever have a conversation about it. But but I didn't bring it up anymore, and I would go on to have other experiences um, in the shared death kind of continuum, if you will, of experiences. But I didn't talk about it. I realized there was no language for this, and it wasn't until two thousand and nine, you know, nearly a decade later, when I met Raymond Moody at a talk, and he talked about the shared death experience being very similar if not identical to the near death experience of course as i've as we discussed earlier but it is experienced by caregivers and loved ones when i heard that my body just lit up with a, a sense of knowing and i immediately went up to him after the talk and said you know hey i've had these i think i know a lot about them and and even a little bit about how they happen and cut to the chase he just said listen you know we don't know much about this i said i'd like to start researching this he said wonderful and you know then we started the shared crossing project and the share crossing research initiative all this happened in the subsequent few years and now we are the leading research institute studying uh, the shared death experience, and we're finding that it is far more common than our general public knows, and we don't know how common, but we do know that as we have published uh, material and as I've given talks around uh, the United States pre-COVID in particular, but increasingly on Zoom and such, the response we get from people that follow up with us is is remarkable. I mean, you know, I would imagine after this interview that we're doing here today, Gail, that a number of your uh, listeners will contact us and I encourage them to do so and say, I had something similar. And they may even ask, is this a shared death experience? And then we have a, you know, a whole team here that assesses. And, and if we think it's you know uh, something that we haven't seen before, and but it's still a shared death experience because they're so varied in, in, in types, um, we'll interview. We, we continue doing that. And collect and learn. And uh, it's very exciting, a very nascent field, but it has a very promising uh, future because the benefits of having the shared death experience are profound. Experiencers report a sense that their loved one, their departed loved one is alive and well in a benevolent afterlife, that they'll report that they'll see them again, and that their relationship to death and dying is much improved uh, as measured by significant decreases in uh, death, anxiety or fear of death. And people's grief is radically different. They, they feel like, yes, I've lost a loved one, but I understand there's a greater sense of understanding around the purpose of a human life and where, how things all unfold, if you will. So. So the sense of yes, they have a huge loss, but they have a context in which to hold it, which gives this loss meaning. And that for so many people, I mean, I'm a psychotherapist by training, specialized like in end of life and grief and bereavement. So one thing that pains me so much when I'm working with people in grief and bereavement is they can't understand the loss. They don't understand why it happened or what's the purpose of death. Or and when you have the shared death experience, you realize, you understand a deeper meaning for the human experience and how death is a part of life, a natural and essential part of living a full life.
1: And you talk about that in the book, uh, a number of stories that you provide about how people who have experienced these shared death experiences, then it changes their view about life and death and and provides some comfort. Which is, which is great, except so many people don't want to talk about the fact that they've had a shared death experience. Talk a little bit about that.
0: So yes, the benefits are measurable and profound, and yet people feel reticent to share them. And the primary reason that we've heard is that they feel that their experience will either be discounted, dismissed, or in some cases, um, disparaged. And what that means is they feel like people won't believe them, they will doubt them. um, They might at worst, identify this experience as some sort of grief hallucination, or even a delusion. And worse yet, uh, a psychotic episode of some type. Now, we we don't have much data to support that that does occur in our medical settings. We have, I think, I think if you go back a couple, few decades, our research does suggest that there were some people having shared death experiences um, that were uh, misdiagnosed with something, you know, inappropriate, you know, some sort of mental um, illness, and and that and that's very unfortunate. But the fear about how people will relate to them around this experience is real, and it is the primary reason why people choose not to share them.
1: You did mention that you you started this uh, research institute, the Shared Crossing Research Institute, and you've done scientific studies about, I guess, reactions and and what people are are saying once they've experienced that shared death experience, um, what are some of the results of, of the studies that you've done?
0: The study that we are currently in, we it has different phases, and it's um, if people are interested, you can go to the Share Crossing Research Initiative, and we have a, a particular project right now called the Shared Crossing Testimonial Project. And the first step in this was to collect and document shared death experiences to understand them. Now, I had created typologies based on my clinical practice, my own experiences, and yeah, basically, and then I did a review of the literature, uh, primarily in in Europe and some case, in some study in the United States as well, just to see if these experiences existed in the literature. they, they have historically been in the literature, just never really um, pulled out and identified as a shared death experience, if you will. So they're conflated with things like end-of-life dreams and visions and what have you. So point being is my team really wanted to clarify the different types of SDEs. The definition remained the same. I had identified that there were a number of basic types of SDEs, one being at bedside and the other one being remote. And about one third of our cases come from bedside reports and two thirds come from being remote. So this is a profound finding that people will report that they're having a shared death experience but they're not even at bedside. They can be down the hall, they can be on the other side of the state or anywhere in the world. And yet the experience can be just as profound. And so there, that was the first typology we wanted to, to kind of test out. And then the second one was this, this what's the experience really of the of the experience or the caregiver loved one primarily? Like what's happening for them? We found that they had profound sensations when they were remote that reminded them, let them know that something was going on with someone close to them and, and they would have you know, sometimes even they would be mimicking the exact same um, physical experience of the dying. So they, they might be, if someone had a drug overdose, they might be vomiting or have, be sweating or something like that. Heart attacks, you'd have chest pain. So that was the first one. And the next, and that's really a really common one, just the sensations about death. The th- second one was this sense of witnessing and observing phenomena. So that's, that's like they literally have this, this phenomena that I've identified already that is basically the near-death experience phenomena. So seeing the dying, uh, seeing deceased relatives, seeing angelic beings, uh, moving along this journey in, into a benevolent uh, heavenly realms, uh, and then seeing light you know, at various places along the way. The third one is the sense of accompanying. We literally have about 14% of our uh, interviewees will say that they were with the dying and moving along on this journey. And this is profound because they're literally reporting that they're seeing the same phenomena that the dying are seeing and they're conversing in some cases and they're, um, you know, all telepathically. And then the final one would be this beautiful, yet not that common 6%, which is guiding. We actually have experiencers um, report to us that they feel like they were called into the uh, shared death experience or called in to by the dying in some way, either called by them or by some benevolent force, but they define themselves with a dying relative to help them along this journey. And they find they say that even though they didn't they didn't know before they got there how they would help them, the information and knowledge for how to guide comes to them. And most of the time it's just to remind them that they've died, to orient them towards the light and to let them know that there's support in terms of either deceased relatives or guides that are there to help. So those are the different types of, those are the typologies that I had worked out before we you know, started the project. I wanted to test out these hypotheses and the research we did that we've done various rounds now. So we had, the first one was 134 people and, um, you know, we published the results in the American Journal of Hospice and Palliative Medicine. That was, that's a recent publication, uh, December 2021, so, you know, the last month or so. And we also have an article that's been approved for publication that we're waiting for with Omega, which is the uh, Omega... A journal of Death, death and, dying. and
1: Dying. Yeah, yeah
0: it's, it's the biggest one dedicated to death and dying. And that one is on um, what I've identified as a full range of end of life experiences that includes the SDE. But as you can imagine, when you're doing these interviews, and you're meeting people, as I have in my practice for you know over a decade, you hear all sorts of experiences and here I am kind of categorizing them as we go along and check in the literature. And so if your viewers are interested, you know, on our website, there's a whole host of resources that really gives categories for these different experiences because there are, there are other experiences happening beyond or in addition to the SDE that people can have. The SDE in my estimation was the least studied um, or I know it was the least study because there was no literature on it. And it's the most profound in a certain sense. It just has this amazing relational quality to it with deep phenomena and a, and a just huge connection to, between the dying and uh, depart, and the surviving loved ones, caregivers. So, So yes, that's the research and we continue to do it. So if your viewers have any of these experiences, I invite them to contact us.
1: Um, Yes, go to the website sharedcrossingproject.com and check out the website. And if you've got a story to share, please share it and and help advance this field of research and uh, knowledge. I am so excited uh, about At Heaven's Door. Here's the book. It's now available and um, it's a fascinating read and uh, William it's been uh, such a great pleasure to speak with you to uh, talk about these these elements I'm very excited it it's good news for all of us mere mortals to know there's something beyond this physical lifetime
0: I would just encourage viewers um, to know that if you that on our website there's a story library and those are video accounts video narratives of, of people sharing their shared death experiences so if you want to hear people talking um you know on a video that's a good way to get clear with it now that's not nearly as in-depth um as as the book does i have 28 stories in the book with some analysis and you know compare and contrast and what have you but there's just i really the hope is that people start talking about these experiences and they'll find that they're far more common we want to really uh break the silence on these types of profound end of life experiences so thank you for giving me this time with you today, Gail.
1: Thank you, and good luck. Uh, be sure to check out my website, so goodgoodbye.com, and uh, plan ahead. Do Pull some information together for your loved ones. I mean, having a shared death experience will certainly help you feel better about the death of a loved one, but having all that information pulled together so that you can Take care of all of those practical details after someone dies really helps the, your loved ones uh, deal with your death. So plan ahead. Just like talking about sex won't make you pregnant, talking about funerals won't make you dead. Live long and prosper.
0: Thank you for joining us on the Doyen of Death podcast. You can find episodes of this podcast and past episodes of A Good Goodbye with Gail Rubin on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information on Gail's work, visit agoodgoodbye.com.